The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give him life. The blackest wrestling podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in this on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rude. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Rap. In the columns, I keep them both covered, making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it. Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five. Before you hit it, talk, bob your head side to side. It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning. It's Rich, and I'm here with James. It's time to listen to One Nation. The power of This is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Welcome to the November 4th edition of One Nation Radio. I am your host, Rich Latta, of course, here with my co-host, James Boyd. James, what's going on, man? Not too much. Watching uh, Rams versus Saints is a really good game right now. It's 38-35 with six minutes left in the um, fourth quarter. It's been, you know, uh, kind of a come-behind thing with the Rams, but but, uh, glad to be here today. Yeah, man. Uh, And joining us today is the recently retired uh, from (laughs) columnists, or, or excuse me, from columns almost, Got one foot in the door, but just recently hung it up on the Doc Says podcast. The Brock Lesnar of Lords of Pain at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Except he tries when he shows up. Chad Matthews is joining us today. Chad, what's going on, man? Hey, I'm enjoying my lazy part-timer status right now. So, (laughs) thanks for having me on. The payday is nice. I'm going to UFC after this to do something else and ignore you guys. (laughs) <laughs> but for having me right now, I promise you, I will give you more than just bouncing over here in the corner while someone else talks for me for the next hour. Yeah, you man. know the la- you know right when you said that, I thought Chad was gonna hang up. Given the last time I had talked to him about Brock Lesnar, he was gonna be like, "You called me what?" Long <laughs> out. It's even worse now. Oh man, there's nothing like seven weeks of a break from WWE's product to give you a little perspective. I thought it was very ironic, by the way, or very fitting one or the other, that uh, the day after Brock Lesnar became universal champion that my final podcast aired, because the first thing that's talked about is why I left. And uh, that's pretty much why. I mean, it, that, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. So, how fitting. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's like even Thanks worse now. On. Yeah. Yeah. Always, man. Uh, so, you got the uh, e- e- e-book release of the greatest matches and rivalries of the WrestleMania era. We had you on, of course, um, when the physical version dropped. And, you know, I've been going back over the book recently. Uh, how, how's the e-book uh, release coming? Great. It uh, went really, really well. It was actually the uh, on Amazon it, once the uh, the pre-orders were, were done at November 1st. So, last Thursday is when the 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 book uh, the ebook officially released it debuted as the number one new release on Amazon's sports reference category so 
and skyrocketed up the wrestling charts. So it's it's pretty cool. It's been been uh, well received, and I'm glad to have the ebook out there because it's uh, you know I mean in this day and age it's just a lot easier to read. Yeah, an ebook. <clears throat> yeah, I, 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 I remember um, the first time I read the WrestleMania era. I want to say it was the version that had the WrestleMania 29 logo on it. I got that. Uh, like in digital format one Christmas and almost like blew through the whole book in a day just because it was in, in a E format. So, um, yeah, man, uh, the, so how's it been like not watching WWE for, for these, you said seven weeks now, was it? Yeah, it's been since, uh, you know, basically what ended up going down was I watched most of hell in a cell oh, and man. I was actually really enjoying that show. <laughs> But it got it got late, and I was thinking, man, I want to actually be able to watch this Roman Reigns Braun Strowman main event, so I'm just gonna watch it tomorrow. And then, you know, I jumped on Twitter, and I was just gonna quickly look at something, and I saw a, a picture of Brock Lesnar with a cell behind him. I'm like, wait a minute, that looks like the set from what I was watching last night. And I went ahead and read the results. I'm like, oh man, really? God, I mean, I'd spent like four weeks on my podcast talking about how I was so excited that Brock was not around and how it was so refreshing to not have the product built around a, a lazy part-timer. And and here, here comes the lazy part-timer, the antithesis of what I want to see in wrestling today and in the embodiment of the lazy part-timer movement. Brock Lesnar comes back, and that pretty much did it. So I basically... I had no intention of stopping the podcast until after WrestleMania next year, yep. but I went to record it and I was supposed to record with you, Rich. I was, you know, we were going to do our usual post uh, pay-per-view podcast. And I just, I texted Rich. I said, dude, I just don't want to do this. <laughs> I, just, I, I just don't want to do this. So I, I just kind of decided I'm not going to record anything. I think I'm done. I think that's it. I, I just I, I got to draw my line in the sand somewhere, and that was it. And it's been it's been nice. I've watched a few things here and there. I got caught up on season one of Lucha Underground and watched Ultima Lucha Uno just a couple of days ago, which was a blast. And uh, just kind of reshaping and rethinking. It's I mean it leaves a gaping hole. I mean it left like when I just abruptly decided to quit. It left about six hours in my week that were dedicated to wrestling wide open and i at first those first couple of weeks i kind of didn't know what to do with myself withdrawal mm. like <laughs> oh man yeah sure. I, yeah it, it's i imagine like you know you got all those hours in you know i don't know how your prep goes for the show but it's like you know you do your prep for the show you watch the shows you review the shows you live tweet the shows you start discussions and then it's just not there. It's like, wow, you've got this like big weight lifted. I, I imagine it's like similar to like when I stopped playing fantasy football. It just felt like this huge just just weight just lifted off you. Yeah. Yeah, you can yeah. definitely say that. Like, um, I think it was uh coach Lefty Drizel, um, basketball coach, and he had coached for like 20, 30 years. All right, we just had some technical difficulties. James, you were saying about Lefty Drizel. Yeah, you know, long time coaching the ACC, and then he just basically, this, you know, has some ammonia, and at that age, you know, that could put you away. So he had to take, you know, he said his first vacate, his first like time off ever. He took like a week or two off, and then next thing you know, he never came back because he didn't because he didn't realize what he's missed by having you know by having to grind like that for so long, and how much easier it is to be you know alpha that. So I imagine Chad with his time, it might have felt awkward, but I guarantee it felt welcome because 
you know, after WrestleMania, like I'm, I left the last two WrestleManias more or less. Um, and like, I didn't necessarily miss it because, you know, none of these things that are none, you're not feeling like you really miss anything other than like to watch it live when it happens. But when you hear about what happened, like you're kind of filled in. None of these matches are like have these kind of stakes on television. Like the pay-per-views are pay-per-views, but you know, they don't book pay-per-views like they're important most of the time. So I could definitely see Chad kind of feeling awkward. Then at a certain point gets to being like, uh, you know, I ain't really miss it too much. So I felt about crown. Yeah. I think that's definitely been the way it's been for me thus far. I mean, I haven't really, um, I mean, I've watched a few things here and there. I've been keeping up with it from a distance. I've watched a few segments, but I've kind of just been exploring different ways to watch and pick and choose. I was talking to somebody in response to my final podcast and I, I shared that, you know, one way you ought to think about watching, I've enjoyed it, is, I mean, he was talking about how he really wants to watch the Dean Ambrose-Seth Rollins feud, but he feels like there's so much crap around it that he can't get invested in what he wants to watch because there's too much stuff going on around it that he doesn't want to watch. And my suggestion to him was I have actually, I let the entire Becky Lynch and Charlotte thing play out after Hell in a Cell, and I didn't watch anything. I just, I saved their SmackDown title match. I didn't watch the Super Showdown match. So I went back and I watched the Hell in a Cell match and then watched everything sequentially and caught some of the the, the highlights uh, on on TV that led up to the, the subsequent rematches. And I thought it was kind of like watching a movie after it had already been filmed and edited and released in the theaters. The way I watched it that way just kind of felt cool. It was just uh, a different way to go about it, but I really enjoyed it. I didn't have to pay attention to any of the other things going on. It was like a binge um, watch, essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I plan on doing the same thing with Seth Rollins <clears throat> and Dean Ambrose. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let that whole thing play out, and then I'll go back and watch it in hindsight. Is kind of where I'm at with it at the moment. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. You yeah. know, wrestling season, so to speak, has always been. January to April for me. So pretty much the the day that college football national championship game is over, then I fully get re-engaged with wrestling and watching it pretty consistently uh, week to week and live. And this year, I'm not planning on doing that. I'm, I'm kind of half, half thinking that maybe when that time rolls around, depending upon what the big rumor mill is, I mean, if it's Brock versus Rock or something like that at WrestleMania and we end up with HBK versus Undertaker or something like that, then I'll probably just, um, you know, nix the WWE network subscription, pick up New Japan World, and just binge watch that for a while. You know, just kind of rediscovering <laughs> a more there. basic form of wrestling fandom where it's not about, like, I was very careful. I actually, I didn't do any notes when I was watching Lucha Underground. Um, I decided to do some star ratings for the, the Ultima Lucha matches that I liked and that I was interested in. But, I mean, outside of that, it was just really disengaging from the critical side of pro wrestling these past seven weeks. It's been nice. Yeah, man. Um, so you're, you had mentioned your final show, Chad. Like, that sounded like that was kind of an emotional thing for you. Like, closing down the dock says, like, you know, that was like an institution for so long. Um just, you know, for the kind words you said about uh, myself and, you know, I don't want to speak for James, but uh, we definitely appreciate it. And um, we're glad to, like, always, you know, be able to reach out to you and get and get you on here. Uh, how, how was recording that final show? 
It was a lot of fun. I think that's the first word that jumps to mind. There were certainly some emotional parts of it. You know, I was, James, I don't know if you've listened to it yet, but recalling the the story that uh, that you told me when I was on your podcast the last time, just, um, you know, the way that uh, that you described it. I mean, that you know, I mean, I'm an emotional guy. I wear my heart on my sleeves, and most people will tell you who know me will tell you that. So, I mean, I, I, uh, they're recounting some of the stories and reflecting back. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I think one thing that probably the best thing that came from the weeks leading up to recording that podcast, not really being as engaged with the product as it gave me a chance to take a step back and appreciate what I got out of being the doc, Chad Matthews for, for 15 years. And especially these last, you know, this, this decade, especially where I, I took it a lot more seriously and, and wrote those books and such and, and built the podcast and, and, and that whole thing just coming to an end and you, you look back on it and like, what did I, what did I get from that? You know, cause I spent, I calculated it, tallied up how many hours I'd spent on it per week for so long. It was a lot of hours, you know, it was always encouraged by my wife to do so. So I always appreciated that. But I looked at it like if I didn't have that outlet, then when I was, when I opened my practice, I mean, that was a big step opening a pra- opening my practice, a private practice. And, and then kind of really the pressure that comes with that. And then being, you know, my, my wife's a stay at home mom. So the pressure of, of building a business and, and all that stuff, wrestling gave me a, a good distraction from the pressure of that. And in the meantime, I got to interact with, with you guys and, and, and so many people around. I mean, literally I've, I mean, I've interacted with people from every continent that people actually inhabit. I mean, and I don't know if there's anybody down in Antarctica that, that has the internet, but you know, uh, I've interacted with people from all over the world and that's pretty awesome, you know, to be able to say that, um, and to do it consistently for really the last eight years, um, you know, you take that kind of thing away from it. And it was always something I'd wanted to do, um, and, and, and made it happen. So it was, it was, there was a lot of cool stuff that I got out of it that when you're in the throes of it and, and especially with the, the WWE product being so lousy the last 18 months, just stuck in that muck, that negativity, and it just it kind of stripped away all the good things from it, and except for the interaction. But when the interaction's constantly just you, bat, you, you take your turn bludgeoning it, and then I'll take my turn bludgeoning it. It just kind of gets into. It became a vicious cycle, and I'm glad that cycle got broken. James, anything to add on that? Yeah, I remember um, the conversation we had. I more or less was saying that, like, I view him on the same terms as, like, you know, any other you know, uh, na- gigantic name, sports reporter or opinion person um, in in the in, in the wrestling guy. So, like, you know, the Melzers, Blake Kellers, types of the world. So, I remember that conversation. Like a nice little um, when he um, when he asked for my opinion on the book, when he gave me uh, if he answered the book, I said to say or something along that same. Thing or whatever, and like uh, so yeah, like I de- and I definitely heard the uh, I definitely listened to the podcast at the end, and it was like I thought it was kind of funny because like, um, it was like an hour was an hour and a half or so, hour twenty minutes, and it was like hour twenty minutes of number like shout outs. It was like the end of a rap album. I thought it was great. It was like the end of black album. Like you sh- give a shout out to all these people. Like I have no idea who the hell this is, but like it's almost like you give a shout out to like Tata and and everything else. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought was, I thought it was I thought it was like very. 
I thought it was very cool that like the, you know you interact with this like this many people um, over all this amount of time and like you know that and that's what that feels like these like these relationships are still around even though you don't do this so I thought that I thought it was really cool. Yeah, man. Thank you, <clears throat> thank you. It was the longest podcast I've ever recorded. <laughs> it's two hours, man. Oh, uh, two. I had it on like I had it on uh, one and a half speed or whatever. I do that. I do that a lot. Yeah. So, nice. um, you know, from one good thing to a terrible thing, and listen on our notes, the disaster of WWE Crown Jewel. My God, a show oh, that. Oh, wait, wait. I know you had a show sheet, Rich. I'm sorry, but on the podcast, he was uh, Chad mentioned on his last podcast how like he was kind of bummed out by the Nikki Bella thing um, for the main event of Evolution. Can we talk about evolution and then go to um, Crown Jewel because it's almost in you know because it's sure. chronologically it's and also like you can also once we get to the bad we can talk about how bad this was because you know one of the best reviews that it ever put on was just four five days before then it's like they went from <laughs> doing really good to doing really bad again. Yeah, so we've already done like our review. If you guys want to hear that, uh, you can check it out in the archive. But uh, Chad, what were your thoughts on evolution? I thought it was one of those shows where going in, there was a lot of apathy toward the way that WWE had handled it. And right, I think that apathy was well-founded. You talk about the way that the show was booked, uh, you know, booking something like Alexa Bliss versus Trish Stratus so far out. And apparently, I mean, the rumor mill had it saying that they always intended to do a tag team match. It was like, okay. And, you know, having Sasha Banks and Bailey having this a really good opportunity for their feud to culminate there and then not pulling the trigger on it yet again. And, you know, having Nikki Bella who seemed to embody the reason why there was a revolution in the first place and not in a good uh, way. Be, yeah. Not in a good way. And then being in the main event, I mean, there were a lot of things that seemed like on paper heading into that show that there was a high probability that WWE was going to mess up. But at the end of the day, I think they, they recognized that they needed that show to be something special because it was, like it or not, no matter what the reason for doing Evolution, I don't think it was in response necessarily to something that happened earlier in the year overseas. But, you know, in the event that it was, then they still needed to take advantage of the situation that they put themselves in and knock that one out of the park. And I thought for the most part, they did just that. The nostalgic stuff was well timed and not over long the focus on the current roster was really really well done i thought nia Jax needed a spotlight deserved one and got one i thought that the back half of that show starting with the may young classic final which was just you know i mean it wasn't i don't think it was anything to write home about but i thought it was just a really good mid-card match i would have loved to have seen that one get 25 minutes at full sale rather than be on the Evolution card. And maybe they'll get a rematch and get that kind of time. But for the 10 minutes it was given, it was a lot of fun. But pretty pretty much from Kyrie saying Shayna Baszler 3 on, I was just, I thought it was really something that we'll look back on fondly in years to come, especially because of the Becky Lynch versus Charlotte last woman standing match. But credit where due, I think, you know, WWE recognized that the Bella Twins are limited 
and they needed to kind of overbook that match to get it to be a main event worthy of that show. And to their credit, they did what they needed to do well. To Rousey's credit, she continued to show that when the spotlight is on her, that she can deliver. And I felt that way about WWE. Now, you could counter that when you have a show as bad as the one five days later, you you just you look at that and you see you see that's WWE has the potential to put on shows like Evolution all the time. And they just either they don't understand that there would be value in doing that consistently or they just don't have or they just don't care. And, and if they don't care, then that sucks. And if they choose to do that, then that sucks. So it just it leaves a bad taste in your mouth to have that kind of show a few days later. Now, granted, I mean, I didn't watch Crown Jewel. I sat down to, but I thought better of, of it. I started to watch the, the tournament. I thought better of it. I thought maybe I, was, maybe I should look real quick because WWE's <laughs> track record these last 18 months and disappointing me is not very good. And to be honest with you, I kind of had a really shitty day on Friday. And that's when I sat down to watch it as that night. I was like, if, if I end up disappointed by this, like if I had actually invested the time in that show only to see Shane McMahon come out of nowhere to win it, I think I would have lit my hair on fire and, and dove into a bucket of ice water for the next hour. Because, I mean, that would have really royally pissed me off if I had invested that time. So I'm glad I went ahead and read it ahead of time. And then I immediately just laughed and said, God, my final podcast airs tomorrow, and this kind of crap is exactly the reason why. So, yeah. Man. Yeah, man. Um, uh, Crown Jewel, like, it just seemed like, now, I, I was at work. I, I didn't plan on watching the show anyway just because it was just awful. Then they opened it with Hulk Hogan, and then, you know, I, I'm going to let James lead on this because James actually watched the show on this. So, good God. <laughs> Like, it was all the matches in the tournament, none of them, except for two, I take it back. The two semifinal matches were, 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 were good, were good matches. But they were just good TV show, like TV matches. Um, and then the, the, the semis, I'm sorry, uh, not the semis, the, the quarterfinals, they were all these like short little quick matches that didn't mean anything. Um, they were like gone, like you know, five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, or whatever else. And then, you know, you have uh, you have the final that's heel versus heel. So you're like, what is going on? This makes sense. And then they they pull this the Shane gimmick, and it's like, oh my god! Like, okay, it's bad enough that like every single person in this thing that's determining the best in the world that you're calling the best in the world over and over and over and drilling it through your people's head. Um, is they're all Americans, and then you have this guy that wasn't even in the tournament just come in, just slide in, and just does what he wants. Why? When there's another commission, when there's a a commissioner for the other brand there, and he's not, you know, just overrided, and he just goes on and does his thing. It's like, dude, I okay, fine, like it's for heat, but I don't, I don't, I don't think they understand. Well, let me phrase this: they understand that the things they do get heat because all they do is come up with things to get heat because they can never make any any hero ever but <laughs> I, I don't think they understand the difference between what's good heat and what is you know the crowd booing 
what what they're what the company is putting out before them. So, for example, they thought that you know they do the turn with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, the you know the night the same night that um of Roman's leukemia announcement is to get heat for 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 Seth. I'm not Seth for Dean. Ambrose. Yeah, no, you you got heat for the company. And I and I think you know this is more the same thing of like oh so like you guys basically are you know you're making Shane the, the World Cup winner after you pumped this commercial or this tournament for for weeks on TV and now like it's to turn him heel. It's like yeah sure you can get Shane heel because hey, Shane is naturally a heel anyway, but it still it still makes a cup it still gives you makes you just groan and you know give a side eye to the company of like what like. Do you have the soup to these tricks all the time? They booked a dude to win the tournament that he wasn't even in. Is Vince Russo back there now? This is so Russoian. I can't even. I can't even imagine. Uh, you know, like him watching this. I, I bet he thought it was excellent. And <laughs> you know, you, you gotta like you didn't mention like the Hogan thing, but like, oh my God, when when Hogan came out there, I was following along on Twitter. And it was just, you know, I was following on, you know why, for these jokes. And every tweet they threw out with Hogan, the comments would just get thrashed. And you see them, you know, just add a controversy on top of a controversy. And that's before they destroy Braun Strowman again and add, and make Brock Lesnar the Universal Champion again. Oh, my God. What a horrible idea. Just... What do you say to that, man? I mean, what do you, what's, what's the, I mean, I will, I look back and, you know, there was a time where I used to try to see the best possible outcome in an, in a situation like this. And I, I mean, what's, what's the possible outcome here? Like, what's the good thing that comes out of Shane McMahon turning heel of Brock Lesnar as universal champion again, uh, of, of, of the way that they handle it's like bringing back Hulk Hogan just gives you an idea as to the way that those people think in WWE headquarters. It's like, they just, they just seem to lack self-awareness for anything more than a few minutes. It's like, Hey, PR is bad. It's really bad. You got to do something. Okay. Uh, we're going to just, we're going to discontinue our relationship with this guy. And it, and pretend like none of the stuff that led to his ouster from the company, um, you know, I mean, it just, it, I think it, it, it just, it's annoying. It's annoying how lacking in self-awareness they seem to be. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I wonder lack of self-awareness or like you said earlier, if it's just like, they know they just do not care because people are still going to, you know, Still going to bow down before them and watch their product, even though their product is, you know, um, it's over bloated, over stuff and, and mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. With, with well. Brock, like, and what they did to Strowman in that match, like, apparently the, the working idea behind it is, you know, what will it be the next time Strowman gets a fair fight? At this point, you don't want to see a fair fight between them. Strowman just got destroyed. Like, like, and the reason why that also doesn't work is we've seen a fair fight between those two. He beat him with he beat him with one f five. Right. Like, um, they book book and expect you as a viewer to not remember anything that they've done before in the previous, and just like to 
just just go with it as, as if like none of this stuff ever happened before. And, and sometimes it ranges from, you know, that was a year ago to sometimes that was like two months ago. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm going to talk more about Strowman uh, in a little bit, but um, I want to talk about DX. Uh, and, and you know, oh, I bald, forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. And bald head uh, Sean was out there and Triple H towards pectoral um, muscle during the match. Kane and Undertaker were, were out there as well. Um, man, breaks my heart to see Shawn Michaels like get to like pretty much they're undoing all the stories they've done. Like Saudi Arabia bought Shawn Michaels. Everyone's got a price. The million dollar man said, and they, they unbought WrestleMania 26 or they bought WrestleMania 26 essentially. You know, it would be nice. This would be t- a time where it would be nice if these types of shows just existed for the place that, you know, was, was that provided the out that, that provided the arena or the stadium you know back in the day they do the global warming tour it'd come out on dvd but it's not the type of thing that you'd really they didn't build it up on tv you know it would just it just happened and it happened in such a bubble that you almost didn't even consider it as a part of the wwe primary timeline this would be a, this would have been a great time for that because you know I think, you know, WWE would really prefer that we not think too hard about their product, and maybe we shouldn't think too hard about their product. But at the same time, when you have a legend like Shawn Michaels, I mean, arguably the greatest in-ring performer of all time, I would say he's the best ever, personally. Uh, To take an act like that and to bring him back for a haphazard DX reunion for a, com- a total combined age of 205 or whatever the hell it was <laughs> in a match like this, brothers of destruction versus DX. Uh, I mean, I said it on Twitter. I'll reiterate it now. I, I, I did not watch that match. I will never watch that match. I will never watch another Shawn Michaels match for, for as far as I'm concerned, he's retired, but you know, I mean, that's just that the whole idea of these guys continually just being cycled in just, I mean, who the hell? I mean, can Ric Flair work one more, two? I mean, uh, my God. Uh, I mean, well, now is no. Is it possible? No, I, I don't think it now, is now. Now no. But me and Rich used to always joke before, like probably like in 2013 or so, that like Ric Flair can give you ten good minutes right now. Yep. He could give you a decent ten minutes. Now, <clears throat> because of the heart. Thing and you know, nah, like he had to relearn how to walk it last year, so no, nah, not now. But, um, yeah, man, this I think this year is gonna like that. The Braun Strowman thing really like was a kick in the gut. Um, just literally, if you like, you know, started like at every turn, WWE destroyed this guy. You can take it back to the first Brock Lesnar match, literally a calendar year, essentially. Like, so you, you have them. Uh, and this is the second time folks want to see him beat a champion. They beat him with one F five. Then you put him in the Royal rumble and a triple threat match. So he can't win the Royal rumble, um, <laughs> as the most over guy and you pin Kane and protect him. So you can't beat him. So we screwed there. So he has to go to the elimination chamber. He eliminates every single guy except Roman Reigns. 
then <laughs> then loses to that guy. Uh, and, and it's like, damn, what, what's going to happen to Strowman now? Come to find out he's the backup plan, right? But that backup plan ends up not being necessary. So what did they do with Strowman? Oh, they have no idea actually what to do with him. So we're going to make him tag team partners with a child at WrestleMania in just a complete nothing match. Like a dude that you have put all these resources and all this value into when it comes to WrestleMania, he, he got moved around again. And this is the story of Braun Strowman always getting moved around after WrestleMania. He continues somehow, you know, w- with some type of momentum. He's doing tag team matches with Bobby Lashley. He ends up getting into a few with Kevin Owens over the summer. And they give him the Money in the Bank briefcase, a gimmick known for heels. And, you know, he's a babyface and all that. And at the same time, they're doing these qualifying matches on Monday Night Raw to see who's going to fight Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. The whole reason, uh, you know, Strowman has the briefcase, he says next time he sees Brock Lesnar... He's going to cash in on them. They never do that. Instead, they put him with that briefcase and give him the out of, I'm going to do it when I want to. And this whole thing was to give him that briefcase to stop him from getting to SummerSlam. Now, SummerSlam comes. They send him out there as a prop in the main event while Braun Strowman, or excuse me, while Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns have a six-minute match doing their finishers to each other a million times, and then they rush off the air like they stole something. After that, they they bring Braun Strowman out, and they have this man uh, turn heel on Roman Reigns to... <laughs> Like it's it's a it's a comedy of errors because he can't be more over than Roman Reigns and, and have the money in the bank briefcase. So he challenges him for a a head up, you know, or excuse me, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. The Shield stops him from cashing in his money in the bank briefcase. Great moment for for WWE lore. But this guy Braun Strowman still has that briefcase, so he turns it in next week, and then walks out on Roman Reigns in a tag match, turns heel. Everyone hates it. Then they get to Hell in a Cell, and Brock Lesnar comes out there and mauls them both with wrestling moves, and then they decide it's a no contest. Then you gotta flip this guy back babyface when Roman Reigns announces that he has leukemia, further damaging his character. Then they book the match in Saudi Arabia, where it's like, okay, they're, you know, Roman's gone, Lesnar, who knows, whatever. And their bright idea was to give him five F5s, including one over the top rope, and hit him in the head with a belt like a geek with Baron Corbin so Lesnar could win in three minutes? Braun Strowman is finished. Absolutely finished as a main eventer. This guy came back more times than Jason, Michael Myers, and I commend this guy for doing that. But this is egregious on 50 levels. Every step of the way, they have looked this dude in the face and said, this is not for you. When he's a homegrown star, he is a guy that's organically gotten over. He's a dude that's overcome his limitations. This guy couldn't even put a sentence together before, and he's decent at cutting promos now. If he's not what they want, what do they want? I didn't write that down. I'm just thinking about everything that's happened to this guy. They have fucked this dude at every turn worse than when they took the belt off of AJ Styles to get him to the Shane McMahon match. This is insane. Chad, do you you have any... Like, 
when you look at Strowman now, is there anything that I'm off base on what they've done to this man? I don't think so. I think that uh, Roman Reigns, or uh, <clears throat> you know, Roman Reigns, uh, Bra- that Braun Strowman is is a great example of all the wrong creative energy. At you know, really, at, so that they can continue their their love affair with pushing old timer part time talent. I mean, it's uh, it's insane. I mean, it's there's no real logic to it. That's probably the most frustrating part is that you look at that situation and with so many other creative flubs over the last few years, Braun Strowman as a huge guy, you know, who, who, I mean, I mean, really when, when he had that match with Roman Reigns last year, the one with big show right before that in early 2017, it, it seemed like, wow, I think they've stumbled across something that is is a, is going to be a, a major factor for a long time to come. And the only way that you could mess up the really strong booking that they gave him from pretty much when the split happened in mid-2016, thereafter, all the way up until those Roman Reigns matches, was to book him horribly once he got to the top. And well, I mean, and then they, they, I guess, hypothetically, they had the chance to overcome at least one horrible decision when they got him to the top. The first horrible decision was obviously, in my mind, to have him lose so swiftly and cleanly to Brock at no mercy last year. And then for literally a year thereafter to just repeat, 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 repeat similar mistakes I think you're right. I mean, I don't think you can, for fans that that care about continuity and storytelling, it's going to be hard for you to ever really buy Braun Strowman in that top guy role again, which makes him, sadly, kind of like what Big Show was, only without ever actually having a peak. Like, Big Show came in, he was, and I'm speaking more about WCW, pushed straight to the top, won the title. And then from there, it was all downhill, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth, just always, um, always limiting booking. But I don't know. I mean, it, it's tough. It, it's tough to talk about. You know, you, you get back into that why you left podcasting type of thought process. And this is a good example of it. I mean, it's not just part timers. It's what they do with the guys that are there. Three sixty five. Yep. He's like everyone and, else now. Yep. He is nothing, you know, the, the thing that makes Braun Strowman's last year special is, is all negative. James. Yeah, it was, it's just so funny how, you know, I took up until we did the podcast with Chad, um, where we, when he was releasing his book and I, you know, I came in because, you know, Chad gave me the advanced copy and I read it and, you know, got kind of got reinvigorated and also was intrigued that, you know, Oh my God! You know Roman could be the champion, even you know, even though his past is peak, and you could have done it four months ago. But um, that time, that four months I was away. The reason why I left was because this this was the last two hours of or two and a half hours of WrestleMania was just like yuck, and they completely you know they completely destroyed Roman. It's like okay, he's your top guy, and you just beat your top guy. Um, 
for for Braun for Brock Lesnar, and then now your top guy's gone, and you need a new top guy. And what do you do? You kill off Braun Strowman in much the same fashion that you just killed off all of you killed off of uh, Roman at WrestleMania. Is like, wh- what is so special about this fucking guy? I don't get it. Like, <laughs> especially when he's not coming to, he's not wrestling for you every single week. He's not wrestling for you every single month. He's only wrestling for you. On these Saudi shows in the Big Four, like what else? What else is he bringing to the table? You can't tell me he's a draw because these tickets go on sale months in advance and they sell out before you even announce the card. So what? What is it? Because he sells some. He sells some merchandise. Like if you book anyone else that strong, I'm pretty sure they will sell merchandise too. So what? I don't. I don't get it. Like, I, I mean, I don't know what it is about. I mean, I understand the talent Brock Lesnar brings and. And what he's done, but like his run from basically from uh, when he squashed Cena at um, WrestleMania 14 till now is just like it's a tell of two, it's a tell of two um, of two halves. Like there was one guy that was like he would show up and it was and everything would change and it was awesome and and, and everything and it was special. Now it's just like oh he's back. Oh is he gonna is he actually gonna have a kick ass match? No no oh okay. <clears throat> yeah, that and that brings me like to you know they killed off Strowman. It's like who's actually the the best pick to be the face of the company long term now, combined with you know with Roman's sudden exit, and we'll get to Roman in a little bit. But like you know factoring in age and ability and talking and the look they want and all that. And James and I went through this for about two hours the other day. Chad, <laughs> is there anyone that comes to mind like you know if you can think about a guy that's like under 35 that's that can you know have that ability that can talk has the look they're looking for even if you have to look to nxt if there was anyone that you 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 could point at chat who would it be i don't think there's anyone obvious anymore but it's hard to say who's obvious in this day and age because you can't really put your finger on what exactly it is their formula is to become successful as there was in the past which frankly, is the most frustrating thing as a WWE historian is you're trying to study patterns. You're trying to figure this out. You're trying to get invested. You're trying to figure out, all right, who's the guy I'm supposed to care about at that top spot, even if he's not my favorite guy? Like, who's that guy? And, you know, I don't think there's anyone obvious right now. But if they were going to make a decision in the very near future and just kind of go with what's been working, someone they've invested a ton of time in, a lot of effort into who's got a six year track record of having kind of broken through the glass ceiling at times and put himself in a position to be the man. The, the, the obvious guy is Seth Rollins. We knew you were going to say it was Seth. We knew it. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 when the, when that, when that came up on the, on the call sheet today or whatever for the, for what we were going to talk about, that that's the, that's the first name, that came to mind and I had to talk myself out of it. And I think if you look at it, you look at it and you say, well, okay, well, I mean, it's not realistic because Seth Rollins doesn't have the classic WWE top guy. Look, uh, he doesn't look like Roman Reigns. He doesn't have that visual appeal that stops you dead in your tracks and makes you think, man, look at that guy. What's he do? Oh, he's a wrestler. Okay. You know, John Cena had that, obviously, and, yeah. um, and and a lot of the top guy choices that they've made in the past have had that. The Rock had that. Hulk Hogan had that. Um, 
but I mean, who else? I mean, it's he's got he's got a good personality. He's organically gotten himself over as a babyface. He organically got himself over as a heel. He's one of the best in-ring storytellers they've got. He's one of the most athletic guys that they've got. He's still, he's younger than me. He's 33, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things about Seth Rollins that make him, I think, the obvious choice. Um, and, and I think the biggest thing is, is that WWE themselves have made a commitment to him long-term for a long time. So it's just one of those things that strikes me as maybe a Shawn Michaels in the mid the mid nineties kind of scenario where you're looking for someone and he's the guy who's been there knocking at the door, working his way into your good graces over and over and over again. The injury woes are not gone, but they're obviously that mean that, that devastating knee injury was three years ago. He's been back for two and a half years and hasn't really missed much time. So I, I mean, who did you guys come up with when, when you talked about it? So with Rollins, my up, issue or go ahead, James. Yeah, we came up with a thing of saying like, all right, so if you want to go by the checking off the box that they which they have, which is certain body, a certain physique slash height requirements, um, certain ability to wrestle a main event match in a ring, um, ability to to be able to have the versatility to do uh, heel or, or baby face. Um, also the, the ability to talk on the mic at a certain level to be able to cut um, the records of promo to have the main to draw the main event. Um, you look at even when they had Roman, like Roman wasn't perfect on that. Like Roman has got to a point in the last what this last recent year where he got to the point where on the mic he was all right, he's he's not he's not he's not no CM Punk or John Cena or anything like that or Kevin Owens, but yeah, like if you need him to go cut a money promo, he can probably go do it now. Um, and you could bet on him being able to get it across, and so you move aside that, and he's the one that checked all their perfect, all their boxes or whatever. And and you look at it, you look at it around now. It's like okay, so can't Cena, Randy Orton, those guys are way too old now. Um, it should be, it should Cena should just come back. Like Cena should, st- if Cena wanted to, he'd be the guy still right now. But that's what it seems like to me. But whatever he doesn't he move on to something else he's still to be taking bumps like that throwing his head at the ground fine um orton ditto uh so we we, we you know, pretty much orton, disqualify anybody in that 35 to 38 year yeah. old range yeah anybody that age is over so aj aj is the best wrestler in the company but no um you uh joe same age same thing like all those guys finn balor sorry bro you 37 no even though you look like you're 27, you're 37. Um, <laughs> so you start looking around, it's like <sighs> Daniel Bryan will never trust his brain, and they never wanted to be the guy anyway. So they can always lean on the, we don't trust your brain. Um, Strowman, Strowman was like 35-ish, but he was over enough to do it, and the clear, the clear answer for them is no, it's not him, right? Yeah. Like, it ain't never going to be him. He's never going to be champion. Like, if they're, they're they could have, save themselves about half a million dollars by just having Strowman be the champion and having him fight AJ at Survivor Series. Instead, they're going to pay that five, that half million dollars to for, to Brock Lesnar to go out there and, and go through the motions at, at Survivor Series again <laughs> while AJ's working his ass off to try to get a four-star match out of this guy that wants to botch around. So clearly the answer is no, he'll never be the guy. So um, then you look around and you think, all right, so 
what do we have here? And the answer is McIntyre, but you know, we always for years Boy, he's a foreigner. Uh, thought, yeah, it can't yeah, be McIntyre. Thought, I mean, that name came to mind with me too, but it can't be because he sounds funny or whatever. Yeah, right. He's what a foreigner and he's a heel. Right, and he works better as a heel. So, you, like, do you want your face to come to be a heel? Because apparently, it like if if, you, if you're okay with the face, you're kind of being a heel. You should have turned Roman three fucking years ago. So, <laughs> um, you, then you look at then you look around and you're like, all right, well, um, let's look at the NXT. Right, all these dudes is five foot ten, five eleven. Like the only guy that I got on that, no, yeah, the only guy I got on that would be Riddle, and that's because he's thirty two, but. Who knows if he's like the the physical presence that Vince wants, or you know the the uh, size or or the talking ability. So, um, <clears throat> but besides that, you look at there, there's just guys that everyone has something wrong in, in their eyes. Like someone's too short, like Ricochet, Gargano, uh, Champa, all the undisputed guys, Velveteen Dream, way too young, and he's a gimmick. So they, he's like a gimmick performer. They're never going to make him the face of the company. Like he, he would have yeah. to drastically so, well, change himself. So, so then Chad, my suggestion was okay. So we see all the problems with having trying to have a, a face of the guy out of the men's division. How about we pick? How, seeing that you know what we did with Charlotte, like the two most impressive things they did on on WrestleMania last year was Charlotte with that great match with Oscar and the showcase show come out party. Show the world the, the star that is Ronda Rousey in a wrestling ring. Okay, push them as the women. Then you look around and you're like, okay, so you look at the historical track record for the women given uh, when it comes to age and they have shorter tenures and they always want to have somebody to be the guy and they can just set it and forget it for the next five to ten years. Ronda, she, Ronda was, has said that she wants to start a family. Like, this isn't going to be a thing she's going to be doing in five years, most likely. So... You know, it should be her, but chances are going to be like, nope, can't be her because she wants to, you know, she wants to do something else. Um, Charlotte, Charlotte's like my age. She's like 30, 31. No, nah, she's like 32. Um, Charlotte's 34. She's, she's, she's mid-30s, isn't she? She was born no, in 86. she's not that old. April 5th, 86. Yeah, so that means she's like 32. Yeah. So yeah. she's so probably winding that, down like, at some point. You see, you see what you see what's happening when they try to book her like she's Roman Reigns right now, and they're you know they're getting her boo because they're not they're not smart enough to realize. Oh yeah, Charlotte's never been an effective babyface outside of a few uh, a few um, exceptions. So let's make her a babyface and force this Charlotte or this Becky thing to, to down people's throats, and they're rejecting it and they're rejecting and they're taking it out on Charlotte. So clearly they're botching that as we speak right now. So it's like okay, so wh- where are we now? Now like like right, what is the answer? Just, can't we just do this by committee and just stop worried about having a face of the company? Considering that even if R- Roman was still around, Roman be one of the faces of the company with Ronda and Triple H and Seth Rollins and everybody else has to go out and do all the promotional stuff anyway. They always have like five people, people do it over the last few years. So why are we so concerned about having it be one person? Why does it have to be one person? I don't get it. What's the fixation on one person? Isn't this antiquated? Well, it may at this point they may that with Roman's situation may have forced their hand. I mean, they are not a company that you can expect innovative thinking from a creative standpoint anymore. <laughs> you can from a business standpoint, but not from a creative standpoint. So if you look at it, this might be a situation, again, like the mid-90s, where they really just don't have a choice. They've got to pick from the best of who they've got. And the guy who I think fits the bill of the best of who they got, if you go back 
I wrote this. I've, I've got my my first book sitting right next to me for whatever reason, just on a shelf. Mm-hmm. And, and and this was the first edition I wrote in 2013. This is what it says in John Cena's chapter to open the chapter. If you were to put together a list of the qualities necessary to be the face of the WWE, it would ideally feature in no particular order. Classically good looks, well-spoken, elite talent, athletic charisma, ambition, healthy ego, big financial draw, media savvy, capable of drawing emotional reactions from people without rival amongst his peers. I think no one checks all of those boxes right now. The financial draw part no longer matters the way it used to. Who's the best that's left? I think you're choosing between Seth Rollins and Charlotte. Uh, the, the downside to Charlotte is that women in professional wrestling do not historically have the same kind of life cycle. You know, we've never seen a woman wrestle deep into her late 30s or early 40s at an elite level on the biggest stage possible. So if it was Charlotte, and it ended up going for five years well into next decade, that's unprecedented. It's not unprecedented with someone like Rollins, who's around the same age. Uh, and, and, and really, I mean, he's he reminds me a lot of a Brett or a Sean in the mid-90s. The biggest difference is, is that the investment in him is already there. The, the crowd is behind him, not to a huge extent, but to enough of an extent. He's certainly a bigger babyface than anyone who's been pushed as the top babyface recently. Has I mean, the consistency of his positive reactions is there. It's nothing like Daniel Bryan, and that's somewhat sad in its own right. But it is organic, and it is sustainable. Um, but again, if you put him in that role, then they're going to screw up. He's he's had the benefit these last couple of years of being allowed to get over organically. If you push him too hard, then you end up in a scenario where people are going to turn on him. So I, I don't know that there's a good answer to that question. Like... When we did the um, when people were speculating about who's going to go first in the draft in 2016, I think most people thought I thought most people all picked. You know, Seth was fresh off the knee; he had the great match with Roman. I think we all thought Seth Seth was the guy when he left. He should, you know, in on in storyline, he should continue on on the trajectory he had. And except, you know, they thought different. Um, so like, I, you know, we all, we all see the, I think we all agree on the kind of value that Seth brings, but for me, it's just like, how many times have the seniors do get looked over and thrown out like a moron at Royal Rumble lat, uh, cause his homeboy threw him out and he smiles and it's all good. And like not main event WrestleMania, not main event survivors or SummerSlam be, be the B side or be, you know, his Ben Warlef reigns his homeboy and part of it, a vehicle to help get him, you know, cheer for once. Like, like they stopped that dude dead in his tracks they, this year. I see him as a guy that they push to a certain level, but they'll never take him over the top. So, like, I almost like in my mind, he's like, they're. I can't imagine finally be like, be you know, kind of be like, huh, fine. I guess it will have to be Seth. Like, I feel like that. That's them basically, kind of having to bite the bullet and sh- and, and do something that they should have done a long time ago because they just literally have done everything they could to avoid doing it. Yeah, they they've stopped. They really stopped him dead in his tracks this year. I feel like that that whole first half of the year, um, and everything that they've done, like with, with reuniting the shield, and that was always the danger of that. And I mean, we'll get into it now. I, I, I guess it's a good time as any, but like you know, get they they were getting slotted essentially, like and they were getting slotted underneath Roman, not only in 
kayfabe, but like you know, outside of that, like of how how we think, like these are you know these dudes fighting amongst these, each other, and Reigns has to come you know shake these guys and be like, hey, what's wrong with y'all? Like like he's the big brother, and once you're a little brother, it's hard to escape that. Um, but you know, with with Roman Reigns, like you know, if he is finished, Chad, like I don't think I've you know. Uh, heard you do any audio about this since you know he's had this announcement uh how do we assess his career like right now if he never comes back you know and i i feel like you know i've, I've gone on the show i feel like roman reigns is going to come back probably sooner than we think and but say he doesn't how do we assess this guy like in you know taking into account with you know the controversy of you know his push all these years um you know what what is his real kind of you know, standing amongst his historical peers, you know, you have a whole book for reference, and, like, is he purely, like, a WWE test tube top star? And, like, what is his real impact at all? This was the most interesting question that I saw on on the lineup of things we were going to talk about, and I think this is the most fascinating topic on the list. I've been going over it for the last few hours, trying to trying to get an idea of what I would say in response. I do not think that we can discount the totality of his resume. I mean, the fact that, you know, he's never been a champion in the classic top guy mold. I think they did that purposefully thinking that maybe that would appease some of the people who felt like, um, main eventing four straight WrestleManias, um, would be, too much they figure okay if we if we give him cena type title reigns on top of that then that's going to be terrible but see so he doesn't really have that championship (laughs) track record but he is i mean he is the only other guy except for hulk hogan to main events four straight wrestlemanias and i mean that and that says something on a resume in part i mean that that's something you're going to look back on someday and when people are talking about you know presuming that and, and and i think this is a big if. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but this has been one thing on my mind since I stepped away and started sort of reprioritizing. As I, I was looking at it, and I mentioned this on my final podcast, like WrestleMania to me is probably the biggest reason why I stepped away. The, the lack of, of WrestleMania maintaining what it used to be. You know, WrestleMania felt like the Super Bowl. It was the culmination. It was the thing that revived my fandom every year. It was like that was the renewal source. And when you put someone in that top spot, I mean, to me, I still hold on to being in that spot. That's the holy grail in pro wrestling today is being in the main event of WrestleMania. And this guy did it four straight times. But the thing that will always be, it's like the, the, the hanging the caveat on the 99 Spurs for winning the NBA championship in the lockout season. It's just there's a there's a natural asterisk that the people that pay attention to this are always going to put on Roman's achievement because, A, it wasn't like he organically rose to this amazing momentum and then they pushed him into that spot. He'll always be remembered for the first year he got into that spot. It was everyone felt like he was taking it from someone who really deserved it and who had earned the right to get back to that spot. Uh, And whether or not that was true, the fact of the matter is, is that that was what the story was behind the scenes. That's what people are going to, in part, remember about the buildup to WrestleMania 31. 
people are going to remember about the build up to WrestleMania 32 absolutely nothing. Yeah. People are going to remember about the build up to WrestleMania 33 absolutely nothing. And people are going to remember about the build up to WrestleMania 34 for being the single most apathy inducing wrestling match perhaps in the history of WWE. So you can say on paper that Roman Reigns has done this incredible thing. And it is, and, and in its own right. You take a step back from all this, and it is an incredible thing that someone main-evented four straight WrestleManias. But I don't know that fans, like, let's take the, the let's take me. He was never he, the ace. Let's A's take yet. the three of us. Let's take the three of us, and let's put us, let's take three people who, uh, who are sitting here right now at the ages that we were 10 years ago watching WrestleMania rise up to the level that it reached um, at the turn of the decade, we'll say. How are they going to feel about WrestleMania 10 years from now? Are they going to feel about WrestleMania the same way I do? Are they going to look at the main event at WrestleMania as like this pinnacle achievement? I really don't think so at the trajectory that it's been these last couple of years, and that still seems to be the, the point that, to be maintained now. I mean, WrestleMania has just become this totally different thing than it used to be in a lot of ways. So I think what's his, what's his legacy? And pardon me if I'm rambling on here, it's just because I haven't had the chance to put it into words yet. So it's just all kind of coming out. Um, What's, what's the legacy of Roman Reigns? I mean, it's not like the guy wasn't talented. I think he might be very well though the one top star in WWE history that WWE insisted upon putting a ceiling on creatively before he ever had the chance to reach any sort of creative ceiling. Like John Cena, talk about a gimmick performer not being allowed to get to the top spot. John Cena was a gimmick performer, and he hit a peak in that in that role. And then they changed his role, and then he hit a peak in that role. He got the chance to do that, and he was really good at it. For all intent, for I me, mean, for with, with much respect to John Cena, a lot of the stuff that's said about him, I think historically, is somewhat unfair. But you know, no question, John Cena rose to the occasion. Roman Reigns, for all he's accomplished, never really rose to the occasion. And as good as he sometimes was on the B pay per views in matches against the likes of Seth Rollins and AJ Styles, uh, in in matches against. Brock Lesnar in the main event of WrestleMania to his undying credit. But when you do that once and then follow it up with flop, flop, flop in three straight WrestleMania main events, I think that's what people are going to remember about that achievement. So it's almost going to render it null and void. So what what could you say is this guy's, you know, standing? Because I, so I think someone like Dave Fenichel has argued He's top the eternal 15. optimist that he is. Dave Fenichel's argued that he deserves to be in the top 10 of all time just based on the statistics of it all. But I look at it and I would say, well, okay, statistically, he's way up there, sure. But because of all of the other stuff, you can't ignore any of that other stuff. No matter how talented he might have been, no matter how good he actually had the potential to be, he only was able to fully exhibit that potential in the ring on rare occasion. And he was never able to exhibit it to his full potential, but for maybe a month or two in, in that short span of time after he walked out after WrestleMania 33 and said, I'm the big dog amidst one of the 
more classic negative reactions you'd ever hear and left it at that. I mean, that was where the money was with Roman Reigns, the real money. And they left that on the table and they left him creatively handicapped because of it. So I think Roman Reigns' legacy is um, someone who is the, the, he was he was very fortunate to be pushed into the spot that he was at a time where WWE as a brand was creatively peaking. And because of that, that might skew some opinion someday. But for fans like us who watched it and really saw everything happen, I think Roman Reigns is going to creatively be looked at as one of the biggest disappointments in modern WWE lore, if not overall WWE lore. And the, the classic comparison historically to, for him has always been Diesel. Um, just someone who was pushed into their spot, who didn't fit the role, who didn't seem confident or natural in it. Um, I don't think there's going to be much. I really just don't think that there's going to be much we can look back on and talk about in a favorable light with Roman Reigns as the number one guy. Respectfully, I mean, it sucks that he's in his position. And quite frankly, guys, from the standpoint, I mean, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm a neurologist, so I mean, this is not my field, but I have friends that are in oncology who are wrestling fans. And even though, you know, you look at Roman, you see, you, you look at him, and you say, that's a healthy guy. But obviously not. He's got blood cancer. So it looks can be deceiving. Maybe he, he works out a lot and maybe he eats well, but he also gets it. I mean, gets the equivalent of like 40 car accidents, you know, a week on his body and, and has done that for a lot of straight years. He's already had blood cancer once when you have leukemia once and then you have it again. I mean, your odds of full recovery just to get back to some normal level of life are pretty are not really great. If you add in the fact that with the lifestyle he'd be expected to lead as the number one wrestler in the world um, or, you know, you know what I mean when I say that yeah, yeah. top guy in WWE, top guy in WWE, then. You know, I mean, for my, my buddies and I were talking about that. I mean, I, I think I think we all need to be thinking about the very real possibility that we've seen his last match. I know we're conditioned because of John Cena to think of these guys like cyborgs. Uh, but blood cancer is not a torn peck. You know, I mean, this is a this is a pretty big deal. And he talked a big game and it's and it was awesome. But, you know, I, I think it's just as as much as it seems like the possibility that Matt, if he showed up in January and won, and won the Royal Rumble, then it'd be, I, I wouldn't be totally, totally shocked, but I just, I we can't possibly see that as being realistic. I think it's, I think it's much more realistic that Roman Reigns is done. Frankly, we don't really know any details, which is hard to then form any sort of, of opinion on it from a, from a healthcare standpoint. Right. But you know, if he's really done, I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? It, one thing that's always stood out to me was that in those, you know, four WrestleMania main events, he was never the A side of any of them. Like he's challenging, yeah. you know, Brock, who's who had, you know, mainstream media. Like, you know, he was the darling at that point where he announces that he's re-signing with WWE on ESPN and generates all that buzz the last week, uh, the um, year after. Uh, it was Triple H coming out of you know essentially retirement and holding the belt and doing all the talking in that feud, like 
for me, Triple H was the A side, and he was the champion going into that match. And he was having, and he was having good matches with Ziggler on TV, and that great match um, at Roadblock in the line with Ambrose. Right. Yeah. Then WrestleMania 33, they backdoor their way into that. No one had a, had a clue what was actually going on last, and that was sold on it's the Undertaker's last match. So it was less about Reigns being there than that, you know, match itself. Then WrestleMania 34, it's still, you know, he's obviously still the top everyday guy, but. There's a reason that they're not putting him over Lesnar, and even when you stuck it to SummerSlam, they didn't do a clean finish. Why? I don't know. But check check this out about the, about that about that finish, right? So the whole story is that Braun Strowman has the ca- can cash in, so he's going to wait at the, he's going to wait there at the ringside for the fight. So Brock Lesnar easily dispatches Roman Reigns and then stares over at because he's so concerned about about Strowman, and then he turns around, and eats a spear, and gets pinned. Yeah. So the whole story about him losing the match is that Lesnar is shook of of Strowman. So what do they do? Uh, and then you know what do they do two or two months later? He just beats the piss out of Strowman. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just amazing. So, it's so amazing. So maybe Strowman his legacy. Dude, he beats the piss out of him. Maybe Roman's legacy is as the most, as the least, uh, the least WWE top guy of all of the historical WWE top guys, in the sense that he was never really booked like the top guy. I mean, this is a guy with like a 65% winning percentage. I mean, John Cena won like 80% of his matches at least. You know, WWE top guy booking is not what they did with Roman Reigns. So I, mean, that, I that, think that, what the they WrestleMania did. record just inflates everything in a way that's just, you know, you take that away and Roman Reigns has not really done anything. I'll say this. I think a lot of it is a new strategy to try to mask it, like he no man, he was booked like Cena. The thing was, what they tried to do was book you, or excuse me, book him to throw you off the scent. That's what a lot of that stuff was, and but it would always lead back to the same place. To for them to get me to believe it would be to take him through some WrestleMania cycles where he's against current guys. Like if you want to, and but and when it always kept coming back to the WrestleMania cycle, it's like, oh, okay, you can retrace his year in reverse. And then every time you put it back together, it's like, oh, he's clearly the top star the whole time, but they were just trying to have stuff for him to do in the meantime so he didn't anger the fans, essentially. like by It was like there's a, there's, a, there's a phrase, Chad, and it's said by Bomani Jones, scared money don't make no money. And... They booked him like scared money the whole time. James? Oh, yeah. I didn't know it was Chad's turn or my turn. So, there's definitely definitely that. So, they booked him. They made the face of the company. But they used him like he was the top heel in the company. But they always portrayed him as the baby face. He never cheated. He never did anything wrong. The crazy thing he ever did was try to murder murder Braun Strowman after he lost the match fair and square. That's the closest thing he ever got to anything of uh, of that nature. And then he shrugged it off as well an attitude error. You guys are doing crazy stuff all the time, uh, Kurt Angle. So, like for me, my legacy for him is in, is thinking uh, over this you know this time for the last four or five years um, as a singles wrestler, he was a guy that 
for me, I will think of more of as a big match performer, a person that came through when it, when it, when needed, um, and a person that they booked horribly all the way through. They want to be the top guy. Um, they they messed around and threw Daniel Bryan in there, and that ruined it. Uh, they had him fight Daniel Bryan in, in his first great, you know, certified great match. Um, he has another one with with uh, Lesnar, um, and they basically say, you know what? You gotta have to take this on the chain. We can't make you champion right now because the block's too hot. So they tell him to go away, and he's fighting Big Show, and it's yuck. So then you're, you know, then then it's just. You know all of the him and the hawing on who he should or who he should feel with, and then, you know he's in there with Bray Wyatt, and like they're always trying to get him in there with guys that like you know people will never cheer whether it's Bray Wyatt um, or respect or it's Sheamus and it's all types of stuff like that or gender like recently, and then you look at last year and it's like okay so the last year for the most part the thing his calling card was. You can say what you want to about Roman. People that were his offenders or whatever else. You can say what you want to about Roman about he, he's not that much of a character. But at the end of the day, most times he's going to come through and have a great kick-ass pay-per-view match. And then they stopped doing that last year. And then he's and then he had a losing record on pay-per-view last year, which is like mind-blowingly stupid. And it was just you know it felt like and then you know we got to the to the Shield uh, reunion, which is like we're doing a Shield reunion and it's only been like three years or two years at that point wasn't a good reason for it either yeah and it you know it was just clearly a vehicle to get him cheered again and and then you know he gets hurt or i'm sorry he had the mumps or whatever and then you know they basically go through it again and this year's like run run it all the way back again and i mean i don't know where they were headed for wrestlemania 35 but like it was going to be more apathy again like if if he's gonna be in a title match, it's gonna be the same thing. He's gonna get booed out the building or whatever else. And you know, and to a point, I kind of want. I kind of hope that he comes back just for the fact that like I, I hope that they bring him back and is at a right is at the right time to where he can finally have a match at WrestleMania where people just aren't shitting on him. That's why I just want to see one WrestleMania match where he's just not getting shat on and. Like they're trying to coronate him, even though he's a, now a four-time champion. What what coronation do you need when he's already been, you know, been to the mountaintop four times now? So like that's just kind of where I am with him. And like, and I think about him historically. I think of him. I put him with like you know a lot of the guys that were that I would consider great, you know, guys that were good or great, or and people that I think fondly of. Ultimately, like they just weren't, they weren't, they just weren't. Wrong timing, wrong whatever else, but something was just off, and then it just never worked. Like I think him, like how people that are you know um, in their you know mid forties to early or to late forties think about like Sting or Lex Luger or or Diesel or Randy Orton, where it's like, yeah, all these guys have certain qualities that you can absolutely see why people thought that they could be the guy in in their own ways or whatever else were great or can be great when they want to be for whatever reason, but it just didn't work when the rubber met the road. And then that's unfortunate. There's an actually a Wikipedia article on the persona and reception of Roman Reigns, not just Roman Reigns. There's a, there's a whole Wikipedia article itself. And it's just like, there's a, you know, Wade Keller once said like, you know, a lot of the Roman Reigns thing, it comes down to Vince McMahon being engaged in a war on fans. Like, so it's like he becomes this symbol 
of so many things before you even get to him, which is yes. kind of unfortunate. And you um, know what his big, you know, one of the big problems is he never got, he never had his CM Punk to basically people, someone get over off the fact that he is the, the, the symbol of all of the fans, like discontent with the product. Like, John Cena was there for so many people for so long in that, in that slog of, like, you know, the, you know, like the, the late aughts or whatever when, like, you know, some of the mid-card guys, like, like the Zigglers, the Sheamus, or the younger guys, the Zigglers, the Sheamuses, the, the, the Cody Roses, the, uh, the Ted DiBiases, they didn't get over to the level that, you know, that the previous guys did. And, like, you think, like, okay, well, what's, what's the problem? Like, why isn't Baron Corbin next is, like, beating the hell out of our winning at Survivor Series I'm sorry, SummerSlam 2010. It's like, oh, John Cena squashed that. So it's like, you think, like, okay, well, like, clearly people's discontent is going to go towards the top guy because he's out here calling some shots, not all the shots, not most shots, some shots here and there. And, you know, that could be the difference. And, like, they never had somebody to go up against him and say, you or what's wrong with uh, why these fans are, you know, don't cheer or whatever else. And then, and then he have an opportunity to respond to that in the way that John Cena did. Like, you can say, you know, when I got into this, when we and Rich got back into wrestling, it was because of the pipe bomb and also because Rock was going into WrestleMania 28 against Cena. And this is my first look at Cena, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm watching stuff. It's like, okay, so this is like this dude got over with an eight mile gimmick or whatever in 2004. Like, great, and he became the top guy, and he's not like athletically coordinated, and he like he fools around about it, and the five knuckle suffer looks terrible. But like, yeah, and he cuts goofy promos half the time. Half of them are fire, half of them are like BS. So I was like. And I see CM Punk there. I'm like, why? Why was this guy? And I knew I didn't know his background before, but I was like, why is this guy that just shows up on the scene and says, "You're what's wrong"? Everybody, you know, just basically, Agrees. you know, gravitate towards him. And yeah. then, like, you know, he doesn't main event any any pay per views. It's always Cena against the Draw and Lauren Knight. It's some dumb shit like that. Is like, and then you know, over that time, you see you see Cena like you see what people were talking. Why Cena was picked. Um, t- after so many times of you know going through you know the years with him, and then like, but Roman never got that. Roman just kept getting like, you are literally just a you are literally just a face that they uh, you're basically a name they put out of a card, and they keep saying it's the eight of clubs. Why is it eight of clubs? Cause like they pick dudes for that shit. Like that that's like like my my phrase essentially for a lot of WWE's you know booking, especially a lot of that applies to Roman Reigns' career, like. They picked him for this shit. Like, and we didn't, essentially. And according to WWE, I mean, that that's okay. And and what we have to say on the matter is irrelevant, pretty much. I mean, and that's <laughs> that sucks. I mean, I think it's admirable that he was able to, that you see a lot of behind-the-scenes stories about how, you know, people in the locker room think really highly of him, and as a locker room leader. And I think that that's great. Uh, you know, I think that yeah. that matters for your legacy, but maybe, maybe Roman's legacy is just going to get usurped by the era in which we are living right now, which is an era in which WWE just can't seem to figure out what it wants to do. And I think he is a great example of that. Cause I, I, I don't agree that, that Roman was ever pushed like Cena. I think that, I think you you look at the way that he was pushed. He was pushed like someone who, yeah, he's the guy. Wait a minute, maybe he's not. Like because they never really fully committed 
to his era. I mean, you're talking about him being the B-side at these WrestleMania main events. I mean, that to me doesn't speak like someone who was pushed like John Cena. I mean, John Cena got to a point where, you know, they put him in a match against The Rock and called it the biggest match of all time, and that didn't seem too far-fetched to call it that. I mean, Roman could never be in a match like that. And based on what we've seen of him, even though he just main evented four straight WrestleManias, you put him in a match against the rock tomorrow, they could call it the biggest match ever, but there's going to be a sizable portion of the fan base that looks at that and says, wait, what? So you look at all the different issues WWE has had over the last few years and Roman very, may, very well may end up his legacy might just simply get usurped by the fact that you've got part timers galore and, these all, all these guys coming out of retirement to pad their stats and further their own legacies. And it's going to be, you know, maybe he's just going to end up being the embodiment of the one big giant mess that these last couple of years have been. I don't know. I think it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing that only time is really going to be able to afford us the opportunity to properly assess. Yeah. And I, I think you can't underestimate like the value of the WWE Network um, being around his entire um, you know main event run, where he wasn't relied upon to be that draw. And that's why I say like he's the B side of all those. Like he never had to be the A side to to because yeah. a lot of the money is already made. Especially now we're getting in the era of these sold shows and everything like that. And you know looking at it for. And I think this is a great thing because, you know, when they have these shows in these other countries now, 70,000 in Australia, they don't have the WrestleMania name to tie to it. So, WWE's lack of making him that A-side, I feel like, had to, um, you know, that's why we're leaning on Triple H and The Undertaker and Shawn and, you know, bringing all these folks back. And I know Chad's got to, you know, run soon, but... Yeah, I, I still think there's so much more to explore uh, with Roman Reigns uh, in his legacy. I, I this is not a one podcast thing, <laughs> like <laughs> so. not at all, not at all. It's a fascinating topic. I think that you know the, uh, the he's he's probably one of the biggest what if stories that you can recall. Definitely this decade. I mean, can you imagine there being? I mean. Is there a bigger what-if story in WWE this decade? Like, what if they had just done things better with Roman Reigns? What if they'd really, <laughs> you know, what if they had just, you know, let, you know, go back to when Seth Rollins got hurt, you know, and hurt whatever plan they had for the following year's WrestleMania at 32? What if they had just decided in that very moment that, you know what? This thing we're trying with Roman's really not working. We've given it a year. It's just not working. We have this opportunity right now. Seth's gone. Let's just kind of do a, a, a let's just do a switch here. You know, the 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 authority is coming to the end of its run, but if we put all of our weight with the authority behind a heel Roman Reigns, we've got a total renewal of of what this guy could be. And then we just figure it out because this is this is creatively the direction to go. This guy, maybe he's not supposed to be our, our number one guy. Or maybe he is. But let's see if maybe we can get some traction out of putting him in the antagonist role and letting someone organically rise up to beat him. Maybe that's Dean Ambrose. 
who at the time the jury was still out about. Maybe it's Seth Rollins when he comes back. Kevin Owens. You know, maybe it's – what's I, that? I always thought Owens was the perfect guy to, to go against him as a babyface. Sure. Kevin Owens is a great everyman. Maybe it's him. And maybe by do, by going that route, maybe if, if we just apply the butterfly effect there, we end up with this whole other alternate reality that we're in right now. We take the DeLorean back to 2015 and you know give give Vince McMahon the sports almanac, so to speak, and, and see what happens in the, when we come back to the future. And maybe this entire conversation is different because Roman Reigns kills it as a heel. And then people rise up to that level that we want to see him as a baby face. And this whole obsession with part-timers goes away because they don't have to fight up a tidal wave like they have voluntarily decided to do. It's, it's, it's a what his, his legacy is what if. Man. Yeah. I think that's a great place to, uh, to, to wrap it up. And if you guys want to, you know, reach us out to us uh, about uh, Roman Reigns, I mean, uh, you can send send tweets to us and all that. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, see, we, what, what do you think uh, Roman Reigns' legacy is at this point? But, uh, Chad, I just want to thank you for coming on the show and always showing us love. So we're, we're happy to show it back. Make sure you guys go get uh, Chad's book. Chad, anything you want to say before, um, you know, we get up out of here? Oh, man, just thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. It's always good talking to you and hopefully – during WrestleMania season, I, I can come back on and hope and have something nice to say. But Chad, no. anytime you want to come on here, you're welcome. You know, Thanks, I hope guys. I hope you know that by now. Thank you, guys. I appreciate yeah. it. It's always fun, James. even if the topic list isn't always so, you know, enthusiasm. <laughs> it's stimulating. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean that's not our fault, you know. We, 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 Get look, better we, WWE. Look, unlike WWE, we take layups. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> James, anything you want to yes. add before we uh, roll up out of here? Tell me. Well, one thing, just that's it. Like, tell me why when you said that we take layups or whatever. Why did the first thing that thought in my mind was like the night after Seth came back after uh, after laying out um, Roman, and he's like, "Nah, I've been going for eight months or whatever else." I'm going to remain a heel, and then just like, and then they, and then they they turn him heel like they turn him back, try to turn him face like two months later, and then it took forever. Like he's like, yeah, you're absolutely right. They don't take like so that that's all. Make sure you guys check out the rest of the shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Check out the Ricky and Clyde wrestling show. Uh, keeping it strong style as well as grown men. Watch this shit in the Outsider's Edge. Catch me and James on Lords of Pain Radio on t- late Tuesday nights where we are talking about Raw and SmackDown each week. We just finished our 10th show. Uh, loving the numbers. Loving the... Uh, way that it is, you know, going so far. SmackDown's holding a 7-3 advantage. We're giving out our LeBron James U bum of the week every week, and Baron Corbin's just making the the, the cut almost every t- every time it seems like. And you know, it's a really fun show to do. But that's gonna wrap it up for us. This is Rich, and uh, thank you guys for listening. Peace. Later. Bye. Thank you for listening to One Nation Radio. We'll see you next time.